Welcome to the Your Confident Self Podcast with Allegra Sinclair. Get ready to punch fear in the throat and gain confidence like never before. I'm here to help you become the powerful woman you're meant to be. Isn't it time that you get unstuck and let us see how fabulous you are? Hey, this is Allegra. Welcome to this week's episode of the PowerCast. I am I am always so excited, aren't I, when I have guests with me? But today I'm really excited because I think that I have connected with someone who was like me in another life. Like I think <laughs> we have had so many similarities and commonalities. I'm like, why haven't I known her before? <laughs> it's just <laughs> awesome. So my guest today is Jean Haynes, and Jean is a career and leadership speaker, trainer and coach, but here's the delicious part. She helps professional women sync high performance and profit with their purpose and values so they can live and lead authentically. How yummy is that? She's also a recovering good girl who understands the pressure of trying to do it all perfectly while keeping everyone happy and the thinking that drives this behavior. Jean's on a mission to help other high-achieving women kick self-sabotaging good girl habits so they can become the happiest, most powerful, and confident version of themselves. Welcome, Jean. Well, thank you for having me, Allegra. It's my delight to be here with you today. I am so excited. I'm I'm like a puppy shaking her little butt in the air. <laughs> I like hardly know where to begin. So let me just stop for a moment because I have obviously uh, got a heads I've got a head start on the folks who are listening. Tell me a little bit about your background and how you came to helping women sync their performance with their purpose and values. Well, I was the classic good girl, and I believed that there was a path for me in life. And I started out going to college, going to grad school, have an MBA in marketing. And I worked in advertising and I worked in nonprofit for a long time and then into consulting. So I followed these rules, followed this path, but always there was a little bit of a disconnect for me. Mm-hmm. And I sometimes felt that I wasn't totally being myself. And it took me a pretty long time to come to grips with this. And what happened was that I was in my own consulting practice at this point, and I had gone into New York to talk to someone because I felt like things aren't, there's something more for me. And I couldn't figure out what it was, and it was driving me crazy. So I said, all right, I'm going to go get some help. And there was this woman who had been a mentor to me, and I said, I'm going to talk to her because if anyone can give me great advice, it's, it's her. her. <laughs> so we met up in New York and we had lunch. And then after lunch, we, you know, I was telling her over lunch, well, you know, I'm not sure about this and that. And after lunch, we're standing at a traffic light and she turned to me and she said, Jean, you have all the talent, you have this experience, you have the ideas, but you really, you're not clear on your focus. And so, of course, I was absolutely devastated. At first, I'm like, oh, my God, here's my hero telling me I have no focus. Mm -hmm. And so as things happened, you know, my mind kind of froze. And that was the phrase that I stuck on. You know, you don't have your focus. You don't have your focus. And so um, it took me a minute to get my brain back on track. And then I thought, wait a minute. Here is Andrea. And she is living the dream, basically. She works four days a week so she can have fun Fridays. She's writing books. She's starting a second company. And she's telling me, I don't have focus. And she's offered me an introduction to her life coach. 
Nice. And when she, <laughs> when she did that, well, my reaction, Allegra, this is funny because I didn't know much about life coaching and I thought she must think I am a train wreck. And oh. she's recommending that to me oh, because no. I didn't, I didn't understand what right. it was and what, what the power a life coach could have in someone's life. Mm-hmm. And so I thought about it. And a week later, I called her coach and we started working together. And long story short, something surprising happened. I thought she was going to help me reboot my business career in a different direction, but which is what happened. But the surprise was I fell in love with life coaching. And I realized, well, I have all this corporate nonprofit consulting experience and I can do strategies and all this stuff. But there's this amazing world of our minds and our thinking and how that affects our happiness, the choices we make, and how we show up in the world. So that's the short story of how I, our longer story of how I ended up being a life coach and finding this work with women like me, who are a lot like me, who felt there's something more, but there's something getting in my way. And I'm not sure how I get clear and what I should do about it. That is all sorts of awesome. There was so there was so much good stuff in that. But I'm just thinking back to that moment. So you've already had lunch, right? You reached out to your mentor because you're like, okay, there's something missing. I don't know what it is. So you've already mm-hmm. had lunch. That's the thing that I was hearing. And then you're standing at the stop sign. And then she turns to you and says that you don't have focus. So I'm like, wow, you went through the whole lunch. You're probably feeling pretty good about yourself. And then you had that moment when she went, yeah, you, you're all of these great things, but you don't have focus. Mm-hmm. And I'm just thinking, what did that feel like? Well, as I said, the first it first hit me like, oh my gosh, you know, here's somebody that you really look up to, and for her to point out something that seems like a flaw mm-hmm. <laughs> was like, oh, that that's a bad thing. But I am so grateful. I'm so grateful she said it, and then she made this introduction for me because it changed my life. I love that because here's the other piece of that. It wasn't that she said you. Well, let me say this because I don't know her, but I'm virtually certain that she didn't say uh, you have no focus in a way that she thought, oh, my gosh, this will make you feel like this is a character flaw. She, in her mind, it was probably way more matter of fact than that. But when it we totally. hear, right? so, but when we hear totally. something like that, the story we tell ourselves about what she meant is what sends you, right? I think you said your brain froze. That's what causes that freeze because you didn't hear, oh, okay, this is one aspect of you. You heard, oh my gosh, she thinks I'm a hot mess. <laughs> That's exactly what I heard. I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> she thinks I'm the hottest of messes and now she wants me to go do this other thing. I love that. So tell me how that then translates into, because I'm fascinated by the whole recovering good girl thing. Because I think, I don't really know what that is, but I think I might be that. (laughs) Well, to tell you a little bit about how I felt I claimed that title of good girl is when I look back as you go through life coaching and training, you know, you do a lot of work on yourself Mm -hmm. and the things that make you who you are. And so when I look back at my patterns, I noticed, you know, when I was little, it was, you know, go to school, get good grades keep everybody happy. And that was kind of the good girl thing. And if I did that, life was good. My parents were happy. The teacher was happy. People liked me. And so it's easy to buy into that. But what happened to me is I kept doing it. And maybe what you do at 10 is okay for a 10-year-old. But when you're doing that at 30 or 40, it's really not the right way to be true to yourself. And so what I found by doing that was that I was starting to lose 
who I really was, who I wanted to be. And I had this fear if I showed up that way. I think, first of all, I had to figure out what it was because I had lost touch with it. Mm -hmm. And then second was to sort of overcome that fear of if I go in this direction, if I say I'm never working in corporate again, I'm not wearing a suit again, people would judge me and they might find fault and that would be a terrible thing. You know, we're wired for connection. So that fear of rejection is really powerful. Man, I am just... If this was food, I'd be going back for a second. <laughs> it's just so, it's just yummy. So in that moment, I love the, uh, that you called out. First, you had to figure out who that was. So first of all, let me say, yes, I am a recovering good girl. I didn't have that <laughs> phrase, but yes, I also had that moment when I was standing in my office with the fabulous view, you know, with all the trappings that people mm-hmm. said would make my life magical. And I was looking out the window going, I don't know who this chick is wearing my clothes. I don't yes, know who this chick is so doing true. this for a living. And then as I started to peel that back, I thought, oh, okay, so my mom wanted this or my yes. dad wanted this or all these exactly. other people said this exactly. is who I should be. And for yes. me in that moment, I stayed stuck there longer than I would have liked because the what you just said, you get disconnected from who mm-hmm. you really are. So how did you reconnect? Because I think a lot of us get to that place where we recognize, okay, what I'm doing isn't working, but the first step away from that is to figure out what would work. But if you've been disconnected from it for a period of time, how do you get back? Well, I think that's a fabulous question and it can be overwhelming and it can keep, it kept me stuck for a long time. Absolutely. And so for me, it was to take baby steps. And I know that sounds really trite, but what you come from a corporate background, you have strategic planning and that's at your background. So I'm thinking I need this giant plan and I have to have all these bells and whistles. And that overwhelmed me Mm -hmm. and kept me stuck because I felt I can't do this. Mm -hmm. And so it was, what is one thing? What's one thing that I can do? What's one thing that makes me happy? And to think back and certainly taking life coaching training, they walk you through that process Mm -hmm. of who you really are, like going back to your childhood. What did you love to do? And what, you know, I talk to people and they're doing something like accounting And they're blah, 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 blah. And then they start to talk about, I paint on the weekend. And they totally light up. Yes, I love that. (laughs) You can see there's Mm -hmm. something there in that painting and that creative side of them that's that's crying to come out. Mm -hmm. But they're doing the practical thing and maybe it needs to pay bills or whatever that is. But it's looking for those clues. And I think you can be a detective in your own life. And Ooh, start to look that. for this. That's a tweetable right there. Be a detective yeah. in your own life. Okay. Yeah. And mm-hmm. start to look for those things. Like, what did I love to do as a kid? What makes me happy now? Because one of the first things that it's kind of embarrassing to say this, one of the first things the life coach said to me was, you're not having, it doesn't sound like you're having any fun. And that was my first assignment from her was figure out some things that are fun for you and go do them. And I'm thinking, corporate, I want this done fast. I'm driven. I'm thinking, what is she talking about? Why is she telling me to go have fun? Like that has nothing to do with a life plan. And of course it did. She was far wiser than I initially realized because that got me back in touch with the things that I really love to do. So I love that. So one of the other things you said was after you figured out who you were, and I think figuring out how to have fun is an amazing place to start um, because I think that we kind of, it's like we accept things in children that we kind mm-hmm. of then try to like train ourselves out of, you know? Like, yes, that's so true. I was on a podcast the other day and he asked me what I wanted to be when I was a child. 
And I was taken aback for a moment because I was like, wow, do you know how long it's been since someone has asked me what I yes. wanted to be? Not just what I wanted to be when I was a child, but how long has it been since someone asked me what I wanted to be, period. So that was a magic. I don't know if he recognized that, but in that moment, I was like, oh, that was magical. I'm just going to have to figure out how to bring that back to myself regularly. What do you want to be, right, when mm-hmm. you grow up? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. um when you were talking about then deciding what that new thing looked like, but that hesitation of what other people would say, right? So I talk about my inner confidence assassin, but she's not alone, right? Sometimes Mm -hmm. she has partners who are external to me, but who are equally powerful. So I think you characterize it as people would judge you, right? Mm -hmm. And And I think think that Uh, is a really strong deterrent. I mean, here you are ready to like punch fear and really step into who you really are, and there's all sorts of courage needed to do that. And then here are people bringing their, you know, well-meaning um, suggestions or their judgment. I mean, how do you deal with that? Well, I think it comes down to getting to that place and it takes time and work. And I won't say it still doesn't come up, but it's getting to that place where you feel strong in yourself and that the approval you really need most of all that we tend to deny ourselves is our own. Yes. And so when we have put everything into what other people think and that's the sense source of our value, then we're in a tough place because it makes it sort of cripples us that we can't move forward towards what we really want. And so what I have learned to do is to just thank them for your opinion and then just go ahead and do what it is I'm going to do anyway. That's but, awesome. it, but it really did take me, you know, I was the classic good girl. I mean, you know, I did, I followed all the rules. And so for me to step out, it took time and, it, and I want people to understand that it doesn't happen overnight. You don't flip a switch. It's a process. And so I think getting back to those small steps, it's, you know, maybe the first thing that I'm doing isn't quitting my job and starting my own business. It's doing a little bit on the side as I see how that develops while I'm doing the job, maybe it's working part time. And a lot of people think it's an all or nothing Mm -hmm. and it really doesn't have to be. It's never black and white like that. It's just, you know, you can figure out what works for you. I think the other mistake that people make besides thinking it's all or nothing is they believe that what you did is the only way of doing it. Right. So Mm -hmm. I understand why we want case studies and why we want to hear what other people have done because their stories give us hope. I absolutely understand that. But that doesn't mean that the way you found yourself, moved forward, did all those things, that doesn't mean that if my path is different, that my path is wrong. No, not at all. So I think the other thing that we try to do, and it's funny because in our quest to really be ourselves so we can show up, we sometimes fall into the habit of like imitating other people, which That's sounds true. a little bit crazy, right? Yes, it, it really, I think there's a quote about that, which is, you know, show up as your, be yourself because everybody else is already taken. Yes. <laughs> and that's a great quote because really no two people are exactly alike. And so you're going to find your own path and your process will be a slightly different. So you coach people as well. So I'm sure, you know, there's a overall process that typically we go through, but it show, it's different for everybody. Each yes. person will, will show up differently, be at a different place, need different coaching and tools to get where they want to go. So that's a beautiful thing to me. It's never, two people are never the same. I love that too. But I think the interesting thing is that 
It sounds pretty fundamental to us, but there are so many people who don't have anyone in their universe who will tell them it's okay to be different or it's okay to be exactly where you are. I think we're starving for that kind of affirmation. I think that's really true. And, you know, that was one of the things in the coaching program. They would always say, and this is where you are, and that's okay. And that's okay. And so there was that constant reassurance that, you know, you are at a place and things can always change. So we're never in one place permanently. I mean, that's the beautiful thing about life. It's always evolving. We're always changing. And so I think it is to know wherever you are, it's okay. And you can make things different. Now, I know you spent a long time in corporate before you started your own practice, but a consulting practice is, I know it's your own business, but it's also kind of corporate, right? Because were most of your clients corporate? Actually, my nonprofit con- was was nonprofit consulting, and okay. so it was a lot of higher edu- educational institutions. Oh, awesome. mm-hmm. That was where I had done a lot of my fundraising work, mm-hmm. and so I had it was a more corporate flavor, absolutely, um, because there were specific projects and deadlines and the kinds of of um, tools that you use in corporate, the strategic planning, those kinds of. Uh, assessments and studies and things like that. So it had a very corporate flavor to it. Okay. So if I'm, so I know I said all of that to say you've worked with women at, in all different industries, right? So you've worked with folks who were um, uh, entrepreneurs, you've worked with people in corporate, you've worked with people in higher ed. So the breadth of the different people you have worked with uniquely positions you to help a lot of different people, right? But I'm wondering if there are um, some, Let's see, not lowest common denominator. What's the word I'm looking for? Are there some themes that you find when you're helping people kind of recover from being a good girl, specifically around how you connect what you want to be with your purpose and your values? Because if I work in a corporation, which I did for many years, and suddenly I realize, okay, so my values are these, and that's not the values of my corporation, then what? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's where choice comes in. And I find that people are, there's, there's this tremendous pressure on women to do it all. And part of it is self-inflicted. You know, we feel like we need to do <laughs> I it all. I, I, you know, I, I certainly was that person and yeah. still can be at times. Mm-hmm. And so there's that piece. And so we have this uh, pressure and that's a lot of stress. But there's this second layer that is the stress we put on to show up and be something maybe not authentic to ourselves. And that's... I call it a value action disconnect. So what I mean by that is I might say self-care is really important. And I know when I'm rested and when I'm taking care of myself and I'm getting exercise, I'm at the top of my game. So I'm saying that's a value for me. But my actions are that I'm staying late at the office. Mm -hmm. I'm eating stuff out of a vending machine. I haven't been to the gym in two weeks. And so there's this, it's a, it creates a tension in us. And so I think that's a common theme is this value action disconnect for people. And so getting that in alignment is, is a big thing towards making you feel on purpose and that you are actually, you know, a lot of times we think we have to do it all to be successful, but sometimes when we can show up as our best self, we may not have to do as much and we get better results. So I think finding that, uh, really getting to the core of what your values are, and then how do you manifest them in your job, wherever you are, and what, whatever is going on, whether that's corporate, nonprofit, in your own business. 
I think when you have that alignment, things really shift for you. And, you know, you talk about power, then you really are in your personal power. Mm -hmm. Are there things, so I'm fascinated by some of the things that we'll do to ourselves. So I loved it when you said um, there's this tension, you know, to or this pressure and the stress to do it all, be perfect and all that good stuff. And that some of it is self-inflicted. And mm-hmm. I laughed when you said it because I was like, oh, I might resemble myself in that mar- remark. So yes. <laughs> what, are the, some, what are some of the things that you have seen women do that are self-sabotaging? I've been talking a lot mm-hmm. recently on the blog and on the show about um, self-sabotage, whether it's like negative self-talk or whatever. So what types of things have you seen? One of the things is people will, women in particular, do this. There's a lot of talk about confidence and a lot of being written about women and confidence. So one of the things is they feel that they have, they're not good enough. So if a job has 10 requirements, they'll think I have to have all 10 or I can't apply. And men on the opposite side will think I have three, so I'm good to go. And (laughs) so- we will think that, you know, we have to have total mastery and be perfect before we can apply. So we, that's a way we sabotage ourselves. Instead of looking at all the great stuff we have done and how quickly we learn and the, all of the skills that we could bring to that position and have that confidence to go for it anyway. So I think that's one. Um, I see people really afraid of um, speaking up a lot of times. And so they'll be in a meeting and they might disagree but they don't say anything because it gets back to that judgment. They're afraid of, well, people will think I'm the rebel in the room or they'll think I'm not towing the party line. Um, so they don't say anything. And that's a disconnect between your values because it's what you think and what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that undergoing tension, underlying tension, you're usually not very happy in your life and in your work. So those are two that come, that come to mind. Just thinking if there's a third one, I think um, having difficult conversations, setting boundaries, boundaries are huge. And so many of us, I know I certainly have done this, is to say, think that, you know, I have to say yes to everything. And whether it's volunteering or whether it's something at the office or staying late or coming in over the weekend, I have to say yes to everything. And one of the big myths about boundaries is that we think it's the other person's fault. Like my boss should recognize it's six o'clock and I need to go home. Oh, the truth of the boundary issue is that we're not communicating what we need. Mm-hmm. And so it's really up to us to own that and to do that. And that's really hard for a lot of people, a lot of women, because we don't want to disappoint someone. We don't want them to think we're not up to the job. We don't want them to get angry. And so we just let it slide. But underneath, we might be getting not only burnt out, but resentful. Ooh, that is good stuff, right? And then anger turned inward can become depression. So that's brilliant. So the three things that women can do to sabotage themselves is one, kind of counting ourselves out of the process before we even begin. And I loved that example. It's kind of like um, when we were in college and we'd say, you know, we'd be going out to clubs or whatever. And we'd be like, so guys think, every guy thinks he's a 10. Right? Women mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. think of themselves as like a two or three, but every guy you meet thinks he's a 10. It's fascinating that, I mean, men and women think 
very differently, but we might very just count ourselves right up front. Um, so there's one way. Another way is, and I, I don't love it, but I'm very passionate about the not showing up, right? So you know you have something mm-hmm. of value to add and you don't add it for right. any number of reasons. Mm-hmm. And then the third one was failure to set boundaries, which is also magical. It's interesting that you talked about us thinking that not setting boundaries is the other person's fault. I hadn't thought about it that way, but I do see um, in my own behavior and when I'm talking with clients that we don't set boundaries because of not so much fear that will disappoint someone, but fear of loss, right? So we talked about mm-hmm. that a little bit mm-hmm. earlier, right? How people are really afraid um, to be who they are because of what that might mean in their own life. Because mm-hmm. even if you're standing in that corporate office, right? As we both were, and we're thinking, oh my goodness, what am I doing? There mm-hmm. are benefits to that situation. There yes. are, right? So it's not like mm-hmm. you wake up every day and you're miserable. There are good and aspects of ev- good and bad aspects of every situation. And the loss of people's um, admiration or loss of like, we're afraid we won't be invited back. Those types of things absolutely can lend themselves to not setting good boundaries. The challenge being that, yeah, right, that's self-damaging. Because if you don't set boundaries, people will love that. <laughs> some people, well, and, right? And some then, people will dig then, that because they have trouble right. with their own boundaries. So exactly, mm-hmm. and it's really. Um, I hadn't thought about it either. That it's really up to me. I, it was kind of like I expected people to be mind readers and to know that I didn't mind staying late because I always did it. So I conditioned them to expect that I would do that. I set the expectation, so it was up to me to recalibrate that mm-hmm. and say, you know what are the priorities I can get, the, you know, this is what we can accomplish and let's look at deadlines and let's see how we can work through this. So it's up to me to, to figure that out. And I think a lot of people are really terrified of that. And as you say, it's the loss, they're fearing that loss of status or admiration or whatever that is. Mm-hmm. I have found that um, usually it gives you such a feeling of power Yes. that you know, power comes from trying something that's a little bit out of our comfort zone. That's how we grow and that's how we get confidence. So that by doing that, and you don't have to do, you don't have to go to the head of the company and, you know, have a blow up. That's not what I'm recommending. But if you start to say, like, where is a place? And you can usually figure out where you need to set a boundary because it's where you're feeling anxious or where you're feeling resentful. And so if you start to look at those things, you can say, let's pick one and start there. So it's, again, that gradual process so that you can build those confidence muscles that you can feel stronger because once you do that, it may be hard and you may lose some people along the way to be truthful. True. Uh, you know, so, and that's something you need to be prepared for. Some people uh, need to be lost. <laughs> exactly. I agree with you because sometimes we, one of the good girl characteristics is kind of, well, I, I'm nice to everybody and I think you should be nice to everybody, but you don't need to spend time with people who bring you down, Mm -hmm. people that aren't really your friend. Mm -hmm. And the truth is, if you're not showing up as your real self, you're you're kind of putting on a mask or you're, you know, performing a little bit, what are you, you know, you're you're losing a, a sort of a fake relationship. It's not really you. It's not your true relationship. If they can't accept you as who you are, then it wasn't really a solid friendship to begin with. I think that one of the first things I, I'll say when I grew up, because I'm not sure that I'm actually grown, but I think one of the things I got really comfortable with, I don't know how old I was. It was a while ago, though. But one of the things I got really comfortable with was being by myself. 
Because there's a difference between being by yourself and being lonely, right? Mm -hmm. So I think that was one of the first lessons. So I think um, I loved it when your uh, coach was like, hey, go find something that's fun. I was like, oh, I was having fun in between, but I needed to get really comfortable with distance, right? I needed some time to myself to figure out what do I want? Who do I want to be? Who do I want to be around? Right. So you Mm -hmm. can't do that if there's too much noise going on. So I drive some of my friends bananas because I'll get in the car and I could be in the car for like hours and I won't have the radio on. And they're like, Mm -hmm. how do you do that? And I'm like, Mm -hmm. I like the peace. I have, Mm -hmm. I have deep conversations with myself. I think deep thoughts. I write new songs that only I'm going to hear. I like, well, I am introverted, right? So I do get energy alone, but I do like giving myself space. For the right people to come on in, right? If I'm mm-hmm. totally full up of activities and um, projects and people that really don't help me reach my goals, then there's no room for the stuff that would actually serve me. And I think that is, uh, you illustrate a great point, is that we sometimes hide in our busyness. Mm-hmm. And it's a badge of honor that, oh, I'm doing, I'm volunteering for this and I'm running this project and I'm taking on this extra assignment at work. And I'm busy, 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 because when we're really busy, maybe we can just deny the things, that tension that's going on or the things that are really unhappy in our life. So it can be a way to hide. And it's, are you just being busy or are you spending time on the right things? I think that's a great point that you made. But I do think uh, we tend, that that can be a hiding place. Absolutely. (laughs) Right. If I'm too busy to pay attention to how miserable I am, then I don't have to deal with it. Exactly. <laughs> and it doesn't go away. Well, you know, that, I, that's the rub, right? Because you think if you ignore something that, oh, if I pretend it's not there, it won't be there. But no, it's patient. It is. It's patient and persistent. <laughs> it will be right there waiting for you when you get back. Right. So, but I love that thought of I am an extrovert. And so for me, I was a real busy, busy person. And so I did need to get to that place where I could have more space in my mind and more get more at peace with myself mm-hmm. and I've done that and what a difference it makes Huge but for years I, I was on that treadmill of busyness I think um I love getting older I know when I was younger I thought oh my gosh when when I get to be 30 my life is over right <laughs> oh to be 17 again and be that silly but <laughs> one of the things that I think is a real gift in getting older is that you get so much more comfortable in your skin Right. So I, yes, I agree with that. I think, um, you know, a lot of times people talk about reinventing yourself, got to reinvent yourself and reinvent yourself. And my conclusion after doing these different careers and things is that I wasn't ever really reinventing myself. I was just getting closer to who I really am. And so it was more about not creating a new persona, but, but just letting the real me come through. I love that. And, and each job, each thing that I did, got me closer to that. So I don't use the word reinvention because I don't really believe that. I think that we're not reinventing, but we're just coming home to who we really are that kind of got a little bit buried or hidden as we got into all the social approval stuff and the things that we thought people wanted us to do or who they wanted us to be. I love that. I um, never thought about reinvention in that way. It's just when I started to think about what I thought my superpower was and how I get people, Mm -hmm. I help people get unstuck Invention mm-hmm. didn't come to me. So for me, it was more like revealing or transforming, mm-hmm. right? Because a mm-hmm. butterfly, when it's a caterpillar, is still a butterfly. 
<laughs> right. It, and, but it has no idea it can be a butterfly. Exactly. So there's that bigger, transformation. Bigger yes, there's that yeah. transformation, but it is the same creature, right? Mm-hmm. So that's mm-hmm. um, how I thought about that. But I thank you so much. I have so enjoyed meeting you. We're going to talk more. But well, it was such fun. I had a great time. <laughs> but for women, I know that one of the things you help women with is if they are, if they're stuck, right? If they're in that moment and someone has told them they've lost their focus or whatever their watershed moment is, and they have no idea what might be blocking them. You do have a resource for people, right? What is that? Yes, I do. I actually created what I call the good girl quiz. And I often get that question, as as you just mentioned, is where do I start? I don't know where to begin. And so by taking the quiz, it's just a way for you to look at where you are in some places in your life, some of the behaviors that might be serving you very well, things that you're doing where I'm totally in my power, I can draw a boundary and really stick to it. That's great. But when it comes to something else, Maybe I need a little help when it comes to comparing myself to other people, and I do have that tendency to compare and despair. So it's a way for them to go through. It's 15 questions. It's very quick, but it will give you some insights and highlights into some areas where you are behaviors that you might be doing that are causing you to hold back, to not be in your confidence, and get into that disconnected place where you're not sure of your next step. So it's a tool to get you started. And where do they find this tool? They can find that at jeanhaines.com dot slash quiz. So I'm going to spell Jean Haynes for you. It's J-E, not for you, for the audience. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you know how to spell your own name. It's J <laughs> J E A N H A Y N E S dot com slash quiz. And I will include it in the show notes. I might even uh, create a easy AllegraSinclair.com slash Gene Haynes for you so that you uh, don't have to remember, but that so you can check out that quiz, figure out what's blocking you and get on with the work of being full out fabulous. Yes, be powerful, be you, and set the world on fire. Absolutely. I want flames everywhere. Well, thank you so much, Jean, for pouring into my audience. People are going to love this show. If they want other information, but they don't want the quiz, they can find out more about you at jeanhaines.com. Yes? Yes, that's absolutely right. Um, Are you on social? Where else can they find you? I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn. Awesome. They can search Jean Haines on Facebook and LinkedIn. Perfect. And I'd love to connect. Yay. Thank you so much for being (laughs) here. Have a powerful day. Thank you, Allegra.